0: This is why I'm not a big fan of to-do lists, even though I know everybody in the productivity community uh, thinks that this is the gospel. I don't think it's serving people because what a to-do list does every day is tell you, guess what? You said you would do these things and you didn't. You liar. So you don't want to reinforce that identity of being a liar to yourself because then you begin to believe it and you, you begin to internalize. The the self-image. So a much healthier way to look at it is to be indistractable, is to be the kind of person who strives to do what they say they're going to do, the kind of person who is as, as honest with themselves as they are with other people. This is the Ideas Lab podcast, where you can learn
1: from great creative and entrepreneurial minds how to turn your ideas into original businesses, books, and brands. Because in a crowded world, it pays to stand out. This is your host, John Williams, best-selling author and founder of The Ideas Lab London. This episode of The Ideas Lab podcast is a real treat. My guest is Nia Ayl, best-selling author of Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products, and now Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. Both these books, of course, something of a sensation on release, and Indistractable, is the buzz book everybody has been talking about for the last few months. So if you're distracted by your phone or by your co-workers or family when you're trying to get things done and you realise you're not being nearly as productive as you could be, this is for you. It's a fun conversation, but is also packed with actionable advice to make your year ahead the most satisfying yet. And at the end, there's a treat for you if you've ever wanted to write a non-fiction book, because I asked Nia... What is the secret to writing a bestseller? Do check out the podcast page on theideaslab.org where you can watch the video of the entire interview and find links to several useful resources that Nia has provided. So welcome, Nia. Thanks very much for joining us on the Ideas Lab podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, I had a look at your previous book, Hooked. Hooked, the how to build habit-forming products and I, when I saw, I commented on Facebook of a mutual friend of ours, uh, when you'd brought out Indistractable How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life, I said, wait a minute, isn't that the guy who got us all hooked on stuff
0: in the first place? <laughs> so how, how do you justify yourself here? Yeah, yeah. I'll take credit for uh, partially being responsible for getting people hooked to apps like Fitbod that helps people get hooked to exercising in the gym or Kahoot. That is uh, a company I like so much. I invested in the company. They use the hook model to get kids hooked to in-classroom learning or clients like The New York Times who have used the hook model to get people hooked to reading the news. Absolutely. I'm happy to uh, be blamed for those habits Uh, Clearly, what I did was to steal the psychology that products like Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp use. I didn't invent these techniques. I exposed them for the rest of the world so that we can democratize these tactics and use them to make all sorts of products more habit forming. Uh, I think that's a great thing when people use a product that helps them live a better life. And so that's exactly what hooked was about was to help people build healthy habits in their lives.
1: Yeah. And that's great because there are all sorts of people I work with and things that I do where I'd love to get more engagement. And I know that even when people have good intentions, they don't follow through. And, and right. so it's a fact, and you've written a really cracking book that goes into um, in real depth about, about now how to be indistractable. So Um, if you, well, one of the interesting concepts that you had in the book is that the opposite of distraction is not focus. So, so that's what most of us assume.
0: What is the opposite of distraction? So the opposite of distraction, as you said, it's not focus. The opposite of distraction is traction. That in fact, both words come from the same Latin root, trahare, which means to pull. And they both end in the same six letters, A-C-T-I-O-N, that spells Action. So traction is any action that pulls you towards what you want to do, things that you are doing with intent. Now, the opposite of traction is distraction, anything that pulls you away from what you plan to do, things that you are not doing with intent. So this is really important for two reasons. Number one, I'd argue anything can be a distraction that uh, this used to happen to me all the time before I wrote this book. I would sit down at my desk and I would say, OK, now I'm going to work on that big project. I'm going to work on that thing I procrastinating on. Here I go. I'm going to do it but let me check email first. (laughs) Let me scroll that Slack channel. Let me just do this one thing that feels productive, that feels like it's a work related task, but I'd argue it's pseudo work. And this is how distraction tricks us. It makes us think that what we are doing now is important. But of course what we're doing, is we are being tricked by distraction to prioritize the urgent at the expense of the important. So is it good to check email once in a while? Of course it is. But if it's taking you off track from doing what you said you would do, namely do that big project, go exercise, be with your kids, do whatever it is that you said you were going to do, it's not traction, it's distraction. So just as anything can be a distraction, I would argue that anything can also be an act of traction. So if you make time for these activities, there's actually nothing wrong with it that if you want to spend time on Facebook or playing Candy Crush or watching a, a Netflix video, why is that morally inferior than watching a football game on TV? There's nothing wrong with those activities. What we have to do is to make time for those things, to plan ahead for them. And in fact, we can use them in a perfectly healthy manner as long as we use them on our schedule, not on the App Maker schedule.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point because otherwise we can get puritanical about, you know, we should never touch Facebook or something like that. It kind of reminds me of a course I did called The Lightning Process, which where the distraction is your own internal negative thoughts. And it's quite good for people who have chronic illness. And their rule was, are you living the life you want, that you love. And if not, then you use the lightning process to reset your thoughts. But if you are, carry on. So it's kind of the same policy. It's like, are you doing what you wanted to do with your life? If you are, then you're making traction. And that might include surfing on Facebook and enjoying watching TV at particular times. And otherwise, yeah, do something about it.
0: Yeah. So so this book is not for people who feel like their life is perfect. so if you're happy with your life carry on do whatever's working for you but in my life what i found is that i was distracted from the things that i told myself i would do i was a liar to myself i would say i would exercise i didn't i would say i would work on that big project i'd procrastinate i would say i'd be fully present with my wife my daughter with friends and yet i'd find myself checking my phone when i was with my daughter that is distraction and and frankly I was, you know, that feeling of lying to yourself eats at you, right? To to go day after day, if you're anything like I used to be, I'd have this to-do list of all the things I'd w- I would do today, and I wouldn't get done with even half of them. I would recycle half of that to-do list from one day to the next to the next. And what I was doing was reinforcing this identity of being a loser, right? What you tell yourself when you don't finish that to-do list, this is why I'm not a big fan of to-do lists, even though I know everybody in the productivity community uh, thinks that this is the gospel. I don't think it's serving people. Because what a to-do list does every day is tell you, guess what? You said you would do these things and you didn't, you liar. So you don't <laughs> want to reinforce that identity of being a liar to yourself because then you begin to believe it and you you begin to internalize the, the self-image. So a much healthier way to look at it is to be indistractable, is to be the kind of person who strives to do what they say they're going to do, the kind of person who is as, as honest with themselves as they are with other people.
1: Okay, so I've got to pick up on that then. So if we're not to do not gonna use a to-do list, what do we use instead? What's yeah. the tool to make so, sure you do the right thing?
0: Absolutely. So there's four steps to becoming indistractable. The first step is to master the internal triggers. And that's the most important step. Because it turns out that the root cause of most distraction in our life, remember we can, you know, we can be led to traction or distraction. So what prompts us to traction or distraction? Are what we call these internal triggers or the external triggers. The external triggers, we all know it's the pings, it's the dings, it's the, all the things that people tend to blame, their cell phones, the computer. That tends to be what we blame, but that's not actually the root cause of distraction. The root cause of distraction and where most of us are led towards distraction rather than traction are because of these internal triggers, these uncomfortable emotional states. When we feel lonesome, we check Facebook. When we're Uncertain, we Google. When we're bored, we check sports scores, the news, uh, Pinterest, Reddit. We use these products and services to feel something different. So that it has to be the first step. If we don't acknowledge why we are reaching for distraction, the deeper reason why we cannot cope with this discomfort. If we don't acknowledge the this discomfort and learn new tactics to cope with it in a healthier manner, and I'm not just talking about meditation, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about arming yourself with tactics that have been proven out in decades of peer-reviewed studies that can help lead you towards traction rather than distraction. So that's step one, and we can get into a lot more depth around that. But I think the the second step is particularly pertinent to your question in terms of why to-do lists are not effective. The second step to becoming indistractable is to make time for traction. So I interviewed hundreds of people in the course of the past five years writing indistractable, and one common practice among everyone I interviewed who struggled with distraction was they did not keep a proper calendar that two thirds of people don't keep any sort of a calendar. And even the one third of people who do keep a calendar don't keep a time box calendar. A time box calendar is when we plan out our day to the minute. Okay, now, now a lot of people say, oh, that's too rigid. I couldn't do that. That's not, that, that's, that's, you know, I, I couldn't operate that way. Well, here's the thing. It's actually nowhere near as hard as you think, and it will change your life. It will absolutely change your life. Because here's the thing. If you don't plan your day, somebody's gonna plan it for you. Your boss, your kids, the news, whatever was happening on Twitter, something is gonna eat up your day unless you decide what you want to do with it. Furthermore, you have no right to call something a distraction unless you know what it distracted you from. Think about this, this is common sense. If you have a big white space in your calendar, well then don't complain to me that Facebook distracted you. Everything is a distraction if you didn't decide what you wanna do with your time. So instead of a to-do list, which constantly reinforces that you're a liar and you didn't do everything you said, which is a horrible thing to carry around with you all day, instead, your only goal should be not to finish anything. What do I mean by that? When we put things on a to-do list, it's all about finish this, finish this, finish this. But here's the thing. The studies show us that human beings are horrible at predicting how long a task will take them to finish. So, and you know, this is right. we've all seen this in our own lives. We say, oh yeah, that task will take me a couple hours. Big deal. Let me knock it out. And of course it never takes a couple hours. So you don't want to plan the output. You want to plan the input. What do I mean by that? If you go to a baker and you say, okay, I need you to make me a hundred loaves of bread. The baker will say, no problem. I need the flour. I need the salt. I need the yeast. I need the ingredient. Give me all the ingredients, the input to make the output. But somehow when it comes to knowledge workers, We don't consider our input, we only consider the output. We say, I wanna do this, I wanna do this, I wanna do this, but what about the input? The input is the time. So tasks shouldn't be just on your to-do list, they have to have a corresponding place on your schedule if they can't find a time in your schedule they don't deserve a place on your to-do list and so your only goal instead of checking this undoable list of things you know it's so easy to put things on your to-do list but of course that reinforces this negative identity of yourself what you want to do instead is to say look my job is to not finish the task my job is to work on a task without distraction for as long as i said i would That's it, right? Because then at the end of every time block, let's say you say, okay, I've got to prepare that big presentation. I need to clean out the garage. I need to do whatever it is that you need to do that you find you often get distracted doing. You plan that time. And then at the end of that 30 minutes, 45 minutes, hour, you're a success. You won you're a winner. You did the thing you said you were going to do. You're reinforcing your identity as being indistractable. You're the kind of person who lives with personal integrity because you did what you said you're going to do. You worked without distraction for that given period of time. And of course, if you do this technique, and it turns out when you use this technique, you actually spend net much more time on the task. So you're much, you will actually finish that task much faster than the old method of just putting it on a to-do list. And expecting this magical to-do fairy to mm-hmm. come in and do the task for you, planning the time, uh, acknowledging that your only goal is to work on the task without distraction actually will help you finish those tasks much faster.
1: Which is amazing because I... I. I... I kind of came up with something similar to this when I wrote my first book in 2010 and said, if you're really blocked, do 20 minutes a day and just do the most important thing for 20 minutes. And if you do the 20, you tick it off and you're, you know, you've done the right thing and event, you'll actually make surprisingly fast process even doing that little amount of time. But if I looked at your calendar now, would your entire
0: calendar would be like wall to wall appointments with yourself to do things. Right. Not only with myself. So there are three life domains we have in the center. You have you then the next life domain, the concentric circle, because it's it all starts with you. If you're not in proper health, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of other people. So you're at the center. Then there's the relationships. So your relationships. And then finally, the last domain is your work. Now, most people, if they schedule their day, they only take care of the work domain. But of course, you're not one dimensional. There's a lot more to you than just your work. There's other things that you value in life. And so what you wanna do is you know, instead of making a vision board or a five-year plan or the regrets of the dying, how about we just start with next week, right? Let's take out a calendar for next week and turn our values into time. So if one of your values is to take care of your physical health, I'm not saying that has to be your value, but if that's one of your values, do you have time for that in your calendar? right? We all know how important sleep is, but how many of us actually put our bedtime on our calendar and make it an appointment? If one of your heroes called you, right? Let's say your favorite celebrity, a rock star, uh, a political, uh, a person that you admire called you and said, I really want to have lunch with you. Would you make time for them? Of course you would, right? And yet, why don't you keep an appointment with yourself, right? You're the most important person in the world to you, right? So why don't we keep our appointments with ourselves? It's part of it is because we don't schedule that time. So we schedule our time that we want to go exercise, for example. If we don't make that time in our day, if we don't schedule it, it's not going to happen. So that's the you domain. And this can include prayer, meditation, journaling, anything that's important to you, even fun time, right? So in my calendar, I have time for social media. I have an hour that I can go on Facebook and Pinterest. And what? It, why is this so important? Because I used to check uh, Instagram and social media all day long whenever I felt bad, whenever I felt lonely, yeah. whenever I felt bored. I would be internally triggered. Not anymore. I turned a distraction into traction by simply planning for it. Now I use it on my schedule. So that's the you domain. The next domain is your relationships. If one of your values is to be a devoted husband or wife or uh, father or mother or uh, friend, that time needs to be on your calendar as well. Part of the reason we are suffering through this loneliness epidemic right now, that psychologists tell us that loneliness is as detrimental to our health as smoking and obesity, is that people used to have these regular occasions to interact with their friends. The Kiwanis club, the bowling league, the the church group, uh, the friends at the pub they don't do this anymore, right? This is declining because people don't hold the time in their schedule to do those kind of things. So we need to bring those traditions, that time planned for ourselves, those routines back into our day. And then finally, the work domain last comes the time for what we need to do in our our career. Principally among those things is to recognize that every job involves two components. We have the reactive component and we have the reflective component. So depending on your job, you're going to have different degrees of this. So, for example, if you work in a call center, if your job is to pick up phone calls all day, you are in a 100% reactive job, right? Phone rings, you pick it up. If it's not ringing, you wait. That's a reactive job. But the vast majority of people don't have a 100% reactive job, but they treat themselves like they do. They run around all day long reacting to emails, reacting to meetings, reacting to other people's requests, reacting to their boss coming over and tapping them on the shoulder and saying, I need this, I need that. When in, in actuality, you know, when I do workshops and I'll ask a room of people and I'll say, you know, how many of you need time to think in your day? How many of you need time for reflection and thought? Every hand goes up. And then I ask, well, how many of you have made time for it? Nobody. (laughs) And so if your job requires reflection, you have to budget that time as well. There has to be time on your calendar that you protect to think, because that is where we do our best work. And it's required for many of our jobs. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so, um, were we we partway through those four steps you were talking about?
0: Yeah, 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 so we did two steps. We've got mastering the internal triggers, making time for traction. The third step is now to deal with those external triggers. So the external triggers are all these things outside of us, the pings, the dings, the rings, all of these things that can potentially distract us. So what we have to do here is to hack back those external triggers. Uh, It turns out the number one most distracting external triggers, according to surveys, has found that 80% of survey respondents found the number one most distracting thing in their day is not their cell phone, it's not their computer, it's their work colleagues. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's people, t- especially people who work in open floor plan offices, as many people do these days. You know, these aren't going away. So what we have to do is to learn to hack back this office environment. And one of the things we can do is to use a screen sign. So in every copy of Indistractable, there's this piece of cardstock that you pull out of the book, you fold it into thirds you place it on top of your computer monitor and it's bright red and it tells your colleagues, I'm indistractable at the moment, please come back later, right? It's a way to tell your colleagues, I need 45 minutes, I need an hour, please come back later. Very effective technique. So there's things that we can do to hack back our devices, right? I show you how to stick it to Facebook and YouTube and how to alter their technology in a way that they can't alter back, right? (laughs) Did you know that you can strip out all the ads from YouTube? Did you know you can dissolve away the newsfeed? Did you know you can hack back all of this technology in a way that serves you as opposed to you serving it? Uh, so I show you how to do that. I show you how to reduce the time you spend on email. Uh, some people who are using this technique have told me that they've reduced the time they spend on email by 90% not zero using some of the techniques I talk about in the book. So that's step three is about hacking back the external triggers. Wow.
1: Yes, and I've I've heard some of your uh, you know I was listening to uh, just the other day to some of your stuff about email, which is really interesting. Can I just ask before we go on to step four? This is all so fascinating. Um, now, as you say, we, we are it, what you are saying really is I can't blame Mark Zuckerberg for uh, for for surfing Facebook for hours at a time when I should be doing something else. Unfortunately, which is very disappointing. But I know, I, right? <laughs> yeah. So when I have that urge to yeah. serve facebook which might be because i'm uh, working on my own that day and missing contact or it might be something else or something went badly so i want to distract myself away from the uncomfortable feeling how do i stop myself uh, because yeah. that's a whole different thing isn't it it's one thing to say i know i shouldn't do this and i shouldn't perhaps check my email first in the morning i don't know if that's one of your rules but, you know people often say this and then i go like yeah but i can't resist it there's no way i can resist it
0: yeah do right. what should right. I do? So-
1: I'm weak. Yeah, yeah. So it, I'm weak.
0: <laughs> well, the, the first thing is to stop telling yourself you're weak. Okay, that's <laughs> Because again, a good, we, don't good want, point. <laughs> we don't want to reinforce the self-image that we're not capable. You are actually much stronger than you know. And so here's what we do. The first step is to understand why we are prompted to distraction. Uh, so by asking ourselves, okay, what is that sensation, right? What is that internal trigger? Why do I feel this itch to check email or Facebook or whatever it might be that's not what I plan to do? to understand that internal trigger is the very first step. This is how we begin to master the internal trigger. And there's a few things we can do. We can reimagine the trigger, we can reimagine the task, and we can reimagine our temperament. And so I give you these these tactics that you can use for in the moment, how do I deal with that discomfort in a healthier way? Because remember, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. Okay, feeling bad is not bad. Feeling boredom, feeling loneliness, uncertainty, fatigue. This is part of being a human being. There's nothing wrong with feeling those things. It's how we respond to those things, right? Responsibility is about your ability to respond. That's what responsibility is all about. So these things aren't your fault, okay? You didn't invent Facebook, you didn't invent Instagram, you didn't invent email, you didn't invent that piece of chocolate cake that's tempting you, not your fault. It is your responsibility. And so what we do, we don't want to be blamers, you know, blamers, they say, oh, it's the technology that's doing it to me. The shamers, on the other hand, the shamers are the people who say, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, there's something must be wrong with me. Maybe I'm lazy. Maybe I'm an imposter. Maybe I'm not very good at this. We shame ourselves. That doesn't work. It makes the, it makes things worse. In fact, because the worse we feel about ourselves, the more shame, the more likely we are to reach for distraction. So that doesn't work. What we want to be is not blamers or shamers, but claimers, acknowledging that you can't change how you feel. You can only change how you respond to your feelings. So this is where we begin to reimagine the internal trigger. And I give you several techniques from acceptance and commitment therapy. These methods have been around for decades. They just haven't been applied necessarily to this situation around technology distraction. But some of these techniques, like the 10-minute rule, you know, mm-hmm. telling yourself that you can give into that technology, give into that distraction, give into that chocolate cake in just 10 minutes, of learning how to surf the urge. And I tell you exactly how to do this in the book. It's about understanding that these sensations, these internal triggers are like waves. They crest and then they subside. And so if instead of impulsively checking, instead of reaching for that device at the the, the smallest tinge of discomfort, we learn tactics to cope with that discomfort in a healthier way that leads us to traction. Rather than distraction, so that would be step one. I, I, step two I, I is of I course, love that.
1: yeah, the ten minute rule. I yeah. think is is great because you know sometimes I have that urge, like oh, a bit of chocolate would be perfect right now. And if you wait a while, I mean, you just realize actually I'm not hungry.
0: That's right. That's exactly right. And so using those techniques, what what you want to do is there's there's never a magic bullet, right? There's mm. never ah. Uh, This is the magic answer. There's a, you have to use these four tactics in concert, right? So you master the internal triggers. You make time for traction. Look, if you want to check email the first thing in the morning, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to tell you not to do that, but look, do it on your schedule. Plan time to say, I'm going to check email for one hour every morning. That's what I do. It's in my calendar because now that's traction rather than distraction. What I don't want you to do is to say, oh, I'm going to plan to, you know, exercise, And then instead of going to the gym, you check email. Now it's a distraction. So as long as you plan for, that's fine. And what you want to do is every week, you want to treat every week as an experiment. So you make your time box calendar. And I'll actually give you a link uh, that you can put in the show notes as well. I built this free tool. You don't have to sign up for anything. It's completely free. Anyone can use it to make their own time box calendar so that you're adjusting it week by week. So that if you do, you go through one week and you say, okay, that worked kind of well, but here I got distracted and there I got distracted. The goal should be, how can I make the calendar easier to follow in the week ahead? So that would be step two. Step three is to hack back the external triggers. So when it comes to, you know, I had this problem of checking Facebook too much. Well, where are you checking Facebook? When are you checking Facebook? Uh, Is it on your phone? Is it serving you on your phone? So that's the fundamental question with these external triggers. Is the external trigger serving me or am I serving it? Because look, the fact of the matter is, if it's serving you, if it's if it's helping you remember that some ping or ding is helping you to remember to go to an appointment, or it's time to do that task you wanted to do, or time to exercise, great, it's serving you. But if it's taking you off track, well now you're serving it. And so it's about hacking back those external triggers so that they're not constantly pinging and dinging you and potentially leading you towards distraction. And then the fourth step that we didn't get to yet, this is the fail safe, this is the last line of defense which is called preventing distraction with pacts. And the way we prevent distraction with pacts is that we make some kind of promise with ourselves or with someone else to keep us in line. Now, how does this work? And again, we have to do this last, okay? Don't do this first. This only has to come after the, four, the three other techniques. So one thing I do every single day is when I need to do focused work, right? Let's say I need to do some writing or work on a big project or whatever it is I wanna do without distraction, I'll actually use technology to help prevent technology distraction. So one app that I use all the time that I recommend is called Forest. And here's how Forest works. You take out your phone, you you put in how much time you want to do focused work for, you hit a little button that says plant, and when you push plant, this little virtual tree is planted, this cute little virtual tree. And if you pick up your phone and you do anything with it, the little virtual tree dies, right? So it's enough of a reminder to tell you, oh, that's not what I wanted to do. I made a promise with myself that I'm going to work without distraction for 30 minutes. That's not what I want to do. Okay, I won't do it. It's a little reminder. There's another uh, website called Focusmate, which is wonderful. I loved it so much. I actually invested in the company where you can actually sign up for another person to keep you on track. So you sign. this is particularly good if you're the kind of person who has trouble getting started in the morning. If you say, okay, 9 a.m., I need to do this project. I need to work on this thing without distraction. You go to this website. You're paired with another person for that period of time. If you don't show up, you get a bad review. So it's an incentive to show up on time. And just seeing that other person there keeping you accountable and you are keeping them accountable is an incredibly effective technique. So those are examples of how we can use these pacts. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Lots, lots more we can do with these pre-commitments.
1: Wow, I mean there, there's just so much stuff here. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um uh, I want I want to ask a uh, uh, well uh, a couple of questions that uh, uh, maybe a bit more unusual. It, I mean it sounds like you 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 are walking your talk from everything I've uh read in the book so far. Is there anything you still struggle with that you know you still need to work on or do you not think of it in those terms?
0: Yeah. So becoming indistractable doesn't mean you never get distracted. It means you strive to do what you say you're going to do. So one of the misconceptions, you know, some people, when they fall off track, they say, "Ah, oh, I can't do this or it doesn't work. And of course, that's not the point, right? That the idea here, this is a lifelong struggle. So when circumstances change, when, when uh, the different priorities pop up in your life, you, you may get distracted here and there. But the idea here is that you don't keep getting distracted from the same thing again and again and again. Uh, Paulo Coelho said that when uh, a mistake repeated more than once is a decision. So many of us have decided to be distractible all day long because we're not changing our ways. And so the idea here is that we need to stop making this decision to keep getting distracted and make a decision to become indistractable. That the idea here is that it's a learning process. Every week is an experiment. And I'm not saying you have to do everything all at once. There's there's more in the book than you could ever do in one single reading. The idea is to, how can I adopt one of these tactics to cope with internal triggers? How can I schedule a little bit of my week? Maybe just one day a week I'll try to use a time box calendar. How can I hack back one thing? Look... One thing that everybody listening to the sound of my voice should do right now, for God's sakes, will you please change your notification settings? Two-thirds of people with a smartphone never change their notification settings. Can we honestly say that Zuckerberg is addicting us all <laughs> when we haven't turned off all those stupid pings and dings on our phone? It takes five minutes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So this is something anyone can do. Do it right now. That's, that's how we start hacking back. Uh, there's a lot more, but that's kind of the simplest thing we could possibly do. And then, I- of course, we can... We, Oh, sorry. Please. Yeah, yeah, no. And,
1: and I think also a key to all of this is, is that you the theme should be self-compassion. So it's not about, yes. oh, I screwed up. You know, I ate the chocolate cake. Now there's no point dieting or anything like that. I'm a failure. Yeah. It's Because, yeah. you, you know, you wrote in the book about how self-compassion correlates of happiness. And so That's it's, right. it's That's your right. ability to actually know that you're going to fall off the wagon or do whatever it is you said you weren't going to do. And to go, okay, you know, I'm a human. And get back on the wagon and do the right thing, you know, do what you wanted to
0: Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. That's exactly right. That people who are more self compassionate are much more likely to achieve their long term goals. And so this is a long term process.
1: So, one final question I want to ask is you know, the book's been massively successful, both of the books, in fact, so it, it hooked and Thank indistractable. Um, how do you know? Which book to write next. I guess what I'm asking is a rather mm. is a slightly more sophisticated version of near yeah, how do you write a best-selling book? <laughs> but <laughs> since I am a nonfiction author and lots of people I know who listen to this love reading books and, and would like to write a book one day, how do you know what's going to be next? I asked Dan Pink this question. It was very interesting.
0: Oh, you know what? I'd love to hear his answer. So my my methodology. What did Dan? Hey, by the way, can you summarize? Do you remember? What yeah, was the summary it was of basically, he, he
1: says, it's really got to have, it's got to have enough in it to make it worthwhile. So he will, ca- mm. he will write a proposal and he will try to write a really elaborate proposal. And if he feels like there is layer upon layer in this topic, then that is actually, um, that's a sign that this could, this book could be the one. And if it's just like, mm. eh, it's quite simple, like you've just said in the indistractable, there is layer upon layer here from switching off notifications Mm. to being comfortable with uncomfortable feelings, you know, it's a huge amount Mm -hmm. of stuff. So I thought that was quite
0: a good response. Yeah, I think so for me, it's it starts for me by chasing my curiosity. Uh, So I have lots of ideas that could become books, but they all originate from the same place, which is what are my problems. Mm. (laughs) And so when I have a problem in my life, the first line of defense is I, I try and think through that problem. So I'll journal, I'll write about the problem, I'll sort through it, I'll write a blog post to see if I can come up with the answer for myself. Now, so that's, that's think of that as like the top of the funnel. There's lots of problems in my life that I want to sort out. And then the next layer is if I don't, if they filter through and I still haven't come up, up with an answer, well, then the next step is to read every book I can find on the topic right? And then by reading those books on the topic, the the funnel narrows down even further. Most of the ideas, probably 99% of the problems, somebody else has written a wonderful book around. And so, hey, that's great. I found the answer to my question. Once every five years or so, there'll be that one idea, that one problem that I have in my life. I read books on the topic uh, and none of them cut it. And so that's what happened with both of my books, with Hooked and with Indistractable. I looked for a book that helped me know how to build habit-forming products. Didn't find it. I looked for a book on how how to help me uh, get to the psychology of distraction. What is the root cause of why we don't do what we say we're going to do? And every book on the topic had the same exact stupid answer. It's the technology. Right? So I actually followed their advice. I didn't think I was going to write a book about this. I actually did what they told me. I went on the 30-day digital detox. I got rid of my technology. I bought myself a flip phone, and I bought myself a word processor with no internet connection. I did all of that, and it didn't work. <laughs> and the reason it didn't work is that I would sit down at my desk, and I'd say, okay, now I'm going to write, but let me tidy up first. Or, you know, my trash needs to be taken out. Let me take out the trash. Or, uh, you know, th- there's one of these books on my bookcase that I should probably do a little bit more research in. And I kept getting distracted. So even when I removed the technology, the problem remains. So it couldn't be the technology's fault. And so when I have a, a problem in my life that I find that every book on the topic just does not fix the problem, that's when I go on this journey to figure out, okay, let's get down to the bottom of this and really figure it out for myself. And so I write books, Uh, I think trying to write a bestseller, you're just bad at math (laughs) because the odds are horrible, right? I think the best thing you can do is to write the book you want to read, The, the, the book that you wish someone would have already written for you to solve your problem. And if that book doesn't exist, write that book and then you cannot fail. Because the worst case scenario, even if nobody buys even one copy of the book, well, you will have solved your own problem. And that's exactly what happened to me in my life with these two books, especially with my second book, Indistractable. I desperately wanted to fix this problem for myself, and I have. And if other people like the book, too, if other people benefit from these five years of research, well, then that's icing on the cake. That's wonderful.
1: Yeah, that is fantastic. I really like that. And it's very inspiring about, you know, as I think about next book options, so, Nia, that's just been wonderful. And there's so much stuff in there. I really recommend Indistractable. I mean, Hooked is great as well. Um, thanks very much. Thanks
0: for My joining My pleasure. Us. Thank you.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ideas Lab podcast. Please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could leave us a review. You can get links and details of everything mentioned in the podcast in the show notes, along with photos and video clips from many of our episodes. Just go to theideaslab.org forward slash podcast.